This is a data privacy detective. Today, we're going to talk about generative AI, artificial intelligence, and about how that impacts data privacy and what we all can do about it. Joining us today from Chicago, Illinois, is Rita Gary. Rita, thank you so much for joining us and taking us on a tour of this very interesting subject. Thank you so much, Joe. I'm looking forward to our chat. Well, let's get right into it. Now, Rita, you're an attorney with the uh, law firm of Howard and Howard Attorneys, PLLC, and you provide data privacy and cybersecurity services for clients. And I know from, <clears throat> from prior discussions you and I have had that just take chat GPD for uh, GPT, for example, it acquired a million users in five days once it got announced. <laughs> All sorts of implications uh, uh, about it. So I think people are certainly much more aware of AI and what chat GPT is. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the question, well, who owns the data here? Uh, how, how does that come about? And what are the risks to all of us as, as individuals? And I know that we're, we're focusing now on generative AI. Well, what, what is that? And what, how is that different from AI generally? Well, Joe, it's, it's such an interesting topic right now. And, um, even though AI or artificial intelligence, you know, the development dates back to the 1950s, what we've seen over the past quickly, very quickly over the past two or three years has been just an uptick in interest in the development of it. And generative AI is really a type of artificial intelligence, and it produces content such as audio and text, code, video, images, and other data. And it's an algorithm that's used to identify patterns within a training data set, make predictions, and it's used, it uses the machine learning algorithms to create outputs. Now, so it's not it's all not, of AI, AI, artificial intelligence, uh, you know, a machine does something, it cuts a, a piece properly. That's That wouldn't be generative AI. That's not, that's different, but. Generative AI, it's built on a database of our millions of people's information, correct? That's correct. It, it doesn't make something from nothing. It makes something from everything. So it's a trained algorithmic model that is learned on a data set. And that data set can be open sourced, or it can be internal, or it can be based upon data that's gathered across social media sites and so on. So our personal information in certain applications of, of AI programs and what they're teaching the AI algorithm is certainly can be in the mix. So it poses some serious risks to data privacy and individual data privacy in particular. And those an risks example, really Rita, if, if, if sure. may, of, of a, you know, something that happened to someone because of this and, and which would, Tell our, our list, give, give a story about it so we understand what, how can this affect us? Well, you know, the risk landscape is very complex. Um, one, of the, one of the things that you see is, is sort of synthetic data or data that's created by the algorithm that may or may not be true. For example, an individual I know tried to chain an algorithm, train it. On, on data that had been stripped of individual uh, identifiers, personal information, and the data, the algorithm cre recreated his own profile 
through whatever sources it learned on. So, so the machine it, figured out who he was and traced it back that, to him. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. So and, 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 and here's and, another example. So we all, you're in Illinois, uh, first state to adopt a biometrics uh, regulation by state law and Clearview, uh, you know, his photos of millions of people and Australia fined it a great deal of money because it was being used to profile Australians without their consent. And, uh, you know, a person could be arrested because they looked like whatever the uh, police were looking for. Is that another example of generative AI? It absolutely is. And um, th those areas where you have sensitive applications, the impacts to human beings, such as credit ratings and risks. So if you're doing an assessment of an individual, you know, for a loan, trying to get a loan from the bank, and it's it's gathering credit information and processing that information to produce an output that's incorrect or wrong or based on discriminatory information. Now, I think we're at the stage where even the great giants uh, in the field of AI are saying, we better pause before we regulate. So we want to get regulation right. I know the White House has uh, recently announced an approach to how uh, generative AI should be addressed. Uh, tell us a little about that and what your thoughts are about the White House's approach. Absolutely. Uh, the White House Office of Technology and Policy has produced what they call the Blueprint for AI Bill of Rights, and it's really built upon five core principles about the development of AI for use uh, is testing is the first principle, and then the second one being anti-discriminatory testing so that it doesn't produce unwarranted wrongful bias. Privacy, of course, which is about people's data control and their consent and how far their consents can be taken. Transparency, accountability is built into that concept so that we basically know when an algorithmic model has been used to make a decision. And then finally, the I think probably one of the key features to the White House Bill of Rights, AI Bill of Rights, is the fact that we're asking for human supervision, which is uh, the ability to, to speak to a human being about the algorithmic's modeling of your data and whether you can opt out, uh, whether you've been wrongfully denied. So the five principles are just the backbone of what I think many other countries as well are developing around this summer, focusing in different areas. But the what? But the U.S. model seems to be based on assessing impacts on individuals. And Not one, long yet, am I right, Rita? This is something Congress will consider on a federal level, and, and different states can consider. Correct. It's not law yet. I mean, we haven't reached that point here in the United States, and actually anywhere really that has a solid AI legislative framework. The European Union is a forefront at the forefront of this in sort of a governance program, developing an AI governance system is really critical in testing the AI algorithms so that we don't unnecessarily worse, make the risk worse. What do you think of the White House uh, five principles? I think it's very good. I like the fact that it's focused on individuals and it's focused on impact. And I think that they're transparency and privacy uh, as being linchpins to the way they are holding people accountable for it is very uh, wise. 
And I think it does dovetail with other countries' uh, attempts to try and find a a workable governance system. I really do. We all know, I think we have to accept the fact that AI is going to become a part of our lives in a major way in the next, you know, five to seven years because it's developing so fast. Right. Well, like every tool, it can be used for good or ill. And uh, the regulations there to make sure there's not too much illness spread by whatever it ends up doing. But let, let's let's uh, get into one detail here. There is, well, we'll have to have you back six months from now, see what uh, what's developed. But we are increasingly asked, do we want to share or sell our personal data with a company we're contracting with? It may be a bank, it may be Amazon, it could be anything. With AI, we don't really know who's collecting our data. Would the regulation be best done by any any AI producer that's collecting data would have to contact individuals? Is that how this would would happen? It's an excellent question. I I think that it's how it's difficult to say if I consent to the collection, storage, and usage of my data on a particular interaction or transaction based, can that consent be stretched to include me into a data set that teaches an algorithm to profile me as a likely candidate for a service or a product? Good question. You know, I I think that um, the notice of our consent, our notice and consent and control is going to be a central piece to to coming up with something that's balancing both the need for innovation, but also the protection of my personal data. Uh, You had a guest on a couple episodes ago, and he said something very striking to me, which was, he said, don't give up hope about having a private life. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's right. That's right. You know, and I I really appreciated that because I do believe that when we look back on this five to seven years from now, I hope that we have had, we've created a flexible yet protective data algorithm AI program based upon the use case of the algorithm. Yeah, I think this is so important. Uh, let's just take medicine for a minute. It's, it's really important to to have mass data about illnesses, uh, take a rare form of cancer, and you may have 20,000 people who who get this problem. And it, it, unless you have a database, science can't do much about it. And yet those individuals don't necessarily want everyone to know they have that rare form of cancer. So it's this, as you well put it, it's a balancing act, isn't it? What do you see as a responsible approach to generative AI regulation and something that over time might become a global standard? One of the ways that I I foresee uh, the governance, the responsible governance systems developing is to really put us on notice. That's that's probably the the sort of from a personal consumer individual point of view, being notified that my data is being commingled into a data set to train an algorithm would be important to me. Right. And I if yeah. I could choose to opt out of that, more than likely I would. Well, um, that gets us to this question. Um <clears throat> 
transparency is what you're talking about and the right of people to say, no, I don't want my data shared or I do, or I'm willing to on certain conditions. That's what you're talking about. So that the data you're suggesting really belongs to us in the first instance, not to some companies we've never dealt with. I, I think that's your point. Yeah, it is. It's exactly my point. And the other thing I think we have to build our tools for generative AI develop, developers to test these models, the outputs, the inputs, and and a way for them to, you know, make sure that they're not delivering biased, discriminatory, harmful outcomes. Well, we do that with products, don't we? If you buy an electrical product, uh, we UL means something on it, doesn't it? That it's been tested and it's not going to electrocute you. Exactly, and I I can see uh, I can see that kind of label becoming um, a part of some programs right up front. So the labeling of it would be another area, and I do think that also the human supervision of it, in addition to a robust testing not just one and done, but repeated testing, because it's always learning, it's machine learning, and it's always learning. So we should be doing robust testing across the life cycle of the data. We should also have that opt out. And we should also have that human intervention. I mean, it algorithms make mistakes, they hallucinate, they drift. And um We've already seen some of those things when we, uh, at least in my profession, the attorneys who used chat GPT to help them draft an appellate brief, and it cited cases that didn't exist. Well, that's uh, that, that was quite embarrassing to that attorney and not the way to practice law. I think we'd all agree. Well, let me, let me uh, take us towards the end of this uh, with a real important question. What advice do you have today? in the absence of clear statutes and regulation uh, about how we can decide whether we want our data shared with companies we may not know about that are using them to build these algorithms as, as you've described it. What can we do about it today? Well, today, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of recourse other than the consumer protection data privacy protection laws that are in place. But, but they are, if you read them, they do have the they do have the ability to reach across just the typical consumer overreach in terms of targeted behavioral advertising it's similar and maybe we begin to use the the data privacy protection laws that are out there as a roadmap to trying to find an ai solution i'm of the mind that i think that the consent will be I've consented to X, not to Y. Right. I think that's uh, well said in a simple enough way to then exercise that right. And uh, that, that's uh, that's part of what we'll be seeing. Well, Rita, I'll tell you what, let's get back in six months to a year and, and see how the regulators and the legislatures have responded. Any final yeah, words be, for our listeners today? I just would like to say, I think that we need to lose the existential fear of AI embrace it because it's here to stay and find a way to make it protective of the individual, both on the privacy level and on the outcomes level and, and figure out a way to put in responsible AI governance systems, both internally in our organizations and, and also 
globally in terms of how we come to terms with it across the board. Well said, uh, Rita. Thank you so much for taking on this uh, taking us on this tour of generative AI. As always, I will close us by reminding us all: protecting your personal data begins with you.